teaches you how to make. Well, if you're ready, we'll get started. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm, I'm going to do a little spiel here. All right. Okay. Hello everyone, it's Jenny's Tabletales, Tales, and I am Jenny Heckman. I am the award-winning paranormal romance author of the Heaven and Earth series, and this is my video blog slash podcast where we talk about all things writing, we talk about authors new and old, and we talk about their work as well as lifestyle. So I wanted to welcome you here today, and thank you so much for joining me. Oh. <laughs> we're so excited to have you here this now is this your first podcast yes uh well we're I promise we won't be too scary okay <laughs> we're just gonna ask a couple questions and just get to know you um and so oops is that my yeah sorry my phone is ringing we'll cut we're gonna cut this out Oh, oh, it's up there. <laughs> Just cancel it. Sorry okay. about that. I'm no so sorry. problem. I'm gonna turn mine off. <laughs> yeah, I. <right>? Yeah. <laughs> I should have done that before I got on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um. So I'm gonna. Okay. <laughs> uh, boy, we're all disjointed already. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay. So, uh, and today we're spotlighting her book entitled "A Little in Love with Death." So welcome, Anna, and I'm so glad that you're here, and we're going to ask a few questions of you and uh, get to know you a little bit more as a person and an author, Okay. and about your book. So oh. um, here's, a, here's one that is going to require a little bit of, of thinking, Okay. but what is the most inspirational thing you've ever done in your life? Uh, well, um, I, I'm a retired minister. Wow. And so my job was helping uh, develop uh, pastoral care things. And I think uh, the most inspiring thing I ever did was help my church develop what's called a blue Christmas service. Ooh. And, and what it is, is what most people don't know is that the Advent Christmas season is uh, like, like a time when there's like high suicide and people are very depressed. And because everybody else is celebrating, they feel even more isolated. Oh. So what a lot of churches have started doing is on the longest night of the year, December 21st, right? The solstice. Yeah. yeah. They hold what are called blue Christmas services, which allow people to honor that this is a hard time of the year for them. And so all the songs are about about comfort, about being there for people. The scriptures are about uh, support. And then what we did was we had um, candles, blue candles. And so if someone had lost a job or lost a loved one or something was broken, they could light as many candles as they needed oh. to acknowledge those losses. Oh. And um, I tear up now thinking about it because wow, yeah. of all the things I've ever done, I think that was the most inspirational and the most helpful for people. And I miss that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, and right now too, I mean, boy, this last past Christmas, you know, with everything that's gone on, that that's so, and, and suicides and depression is so up right now. Wow. That, that is probably one of my favorite things I've, I've, I've heard. That's amazing. That's really, really cool. Good for oh, you. Friend. Really, honestly, that's really cool. Um, 
Okay, uh, so who do you love the most? Or let's see, wait, what do you love the most that people, other people don't like and wouldn't understand that you do? Does that make sense? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, Cause there really isn't much that I don't like that people don't like. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, a good question. Actually, again, going back to my ministry work, most people don't like confronting people or having to have hard conversations. And that's my forte. Oh. <laughs> wow. I mean, at the church where I worked, the saying was, if you need a no, go get Reverend Anna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so yeah, I mean, something about, you know, the need to have hard conversations uh, is really about helping people own a truth mm. that they have been, have been avoiding. And it's like having those hard conversations frees people up from carrying that weight and that burden. So, you know, I, I used to go, I used to, I used to be sent to the most conflicted churches <laughs> because I, I was not afraid of conflict. I was not afraid of having those hard conversations. And at the same time, I learned how to be loving in those conversations. Not, not the hard, yeah. You no, know, I'm gonna beat you down with the truth kind of thing. <laughs> but you know, learned how to share truth in love. So wow. yeah, that's wow, that's really you are very inspiring. I, I'm just I'm already just this is just this is really, really touching me. It's really cool. And, and it is true because people do they do struggle. They tend to tend to try to shy away from confrontation, or a lot of people do, they try to shy away from confrontation and things, and and so to be to have that knack, that's a gift, really. Yeah, it's a real it really gift. is. Yeah. Okay, so what was the hardest, most unusual, or interesting part of the story that you wrote uh, to research for A Little In Love With Death? The hardest part um, was deciding the format of the story, because I had originally written it as kind of like a short story and I was thinking I, I wanted to include it now into this Haunted Harlem series. So um, I came up with uh, doing it as a dual time story. So I don't know if you've ever heard of that, ah, yeah. but you know how part of the story takes place in the past and part in the present and that where the past and present come together is how the mystery is solved. Love it. And so I latched onto that and that helped me to really grow this story. But then by the time it was for me to put it up, I didn't, the, the past part of the story had taken over the story. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so the hardest thing for me to do was to separate them again into separate stories. Oh. And then go back and see how A Little In Love With Death, what, what strengthening it, it needed because now it didn't have the past part to kind of make the reader anticipate what they were going to learn in the future. Yes. So, <laughs> so, so you did wind up doing this dual um, idea, or you 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 xed out the the past one and you did a whole um, modern day story, or did you do the dual thing? I did the dual thing. Okay. But, but then, 
what I had to do was, because like I said, the past part of the story took over, I had to pull all that out. So uh, that's going to be another story in the series. <laughs> oh, well, you got a whole new, you got a whole new book out of it then. That's cool. Yep, I have its title already. It's called um, Always the Dead Between. Ooh. So, so, like so that was the hardest thing. Like, you know, cause like you have these two versions, right? And it's like, which is the one, which is the one? And so finally, what I picked, just do the straight story and let the other one be its own story. So that was the hardest thing. It does take courage though, doesn't it? Because I mean, when you have it set in your mind about what you wanna write, and then you're like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. And you don't really wanna sway from it. To, that's pretty brave to, to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna take it out. I'm gonna get rid of my, my idea or my, you know, your, are you a plotter or a pantser? Plotter. Plotter. So you, you have a, you're organized. I know this is, I do that too. You're organized and you have a plan and you don't want to deviate. And now you've made this choice to do that. That's brave. That's cool. Yeah. And everybody was liking the dual time version. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, I'm swimming against the tide with this decision. What am I going to do? And it's like, the deadline is coming. You have it on pre-order. You got to meet that deadline. Yep. So I just bit the bullet and did it. <laughs> wow. And, and now it's just, it's probably so much better and you've got another story from it. So that's yep. really cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what are two or more of your all-time favorite books in any genre? Oh, all-time favorite. Well, golly so many right <laughs> yeah i know but you know it's like okay so what are the ones that are always go okay so uh the very first in-depth book that jd rob wrote i think it was naked in death yes that was a good one. Oh, i mean that there that and and another one in that series conspiracy in death i think i like conspiracy in death even more than naked in death because um that's where i really saw how uh, J.D. Robb used the strength, Eve Dallas's strength to become a weakness. And it was yeah. like, oh my God, here it is. You know, because you always hear that, you know, you want the character, you want to, you know, for character growth, you know, how do you make the strength a weakness? I'm like, how do you do that? And then this, I read that and it was like, so conspiracy and death, definitely. And then, um, John Galsworthy's The Forsyth Saga. That book, I read that book, I maybe when I was in high school. Really? I read the first, because he had a trilogy, um, but the, the Forsyth Saga, the first two books of that trilogy have stayed with me all these years because again, the bad guy in the first book, Soames, becomes the, the good guy in the second set. <laughs> I was like, so, you know, it seems that books that deal with character growth yeah. are my heart. <laughs> when you like somebody that kind of redeems themselves, right? You want, you kind of root for that bad guy to turn into a good guy and, and realize that he's got issues or problems and he wants to fix them. You know, that's always a great, that's always a great story. And you know, Nora really is, she's totally, you know, props to her because my gosh, she's made that series, the In Death series, I mean, how many books has she written of that? I think it's still fresh. I think it's up to 
52. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, you, you know, Ian Dallas should be walking around with a cane by now. And she. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love her. And she's also very, um, the other thing I like about that series is that things that she wrote way back when with that very first book, you know, they're kind of coming true. Things like, you know, telling your lights to go at 50% and, you know, all those things. It's, it's incredible. She's, yeah. she's, that's why she's the queen, right? I do have <laughs> one more favorite um, um, by uh, Beverly Jenkins. Oh, I love her. The very first Beverly Jenkins I ever read was called Topaz. And I, I, I mean, I just love how she brings history, you know, into her story. So it's like, she has this term called edutainment. And I was like, yes, Bev, educate me and entertain me. I love it. So that Topaz, oh my gosh. Did you ever uh, go to one of her classes at one of the conferences? No, you know, cause see, I would only go every five years when it was in oh. New York. Okay. <laughs> oh, <Or>, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, and Denver was my first non-New York conference. Oh, okay. So, so no, I, I, but I am, I got, uh, I am, I am registered for uh, a conference that she's the keynote for at the oh. end of the month. So I actually get to see her live in Zoom. She's very, she's very dynamic. And she's just, she's again, she's kind of like you. She's very inspiring. And uh, I, I loved her class. She, she really, um, and she kind of just, I don't think she's a plotter. If I remember right, she's a total pantser and she doesn't understand, you know, the whole writing Bibles and all the and plotting. And she just comes up with those things. And I have no idea. That's just, those people are just amazing to me, but she's very dynamic. You're going to really like her. You know, I think I did see her in a panel discussion in Denver. It was okay. her, Alyssa Cole, and uh, another woman who does um, re revolutionary history. Okay. So I, I think I did get a chance to experience her. And the last time I was in New York, I got my picture taken with her. Oh, <laughs> I fan girl. I said, "Oh, oh, Miss Bev, can I have your picture, please? Said, Get in the picture with me." So of course yeah. now I can't find it because we moved to, to oh, New York. No. Right? <laughs> That's the other thing about her. She's very sweet. She doesn't, you know, she's so big, and I mean, she's she's just like Nora, and she's just she's so big. And she just is so humble and gracious and lovely. I just, I, I really got a lot out of her class. Um, okay, do you have a favorite quote? Something that you either live by or just something that, that inspires you? Yeah, um, well, actually there's two. Because I'm impatient and get angry when things are bad and, and it just seems like evil is winning. So Martin Luther King Jr. has this quote that says, the moral arc of justice is long, but it, no, the, 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 the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Ooh, oh. And so it's like, you know, right. It's like evil seems to triumph today, but the moral arc of the universe is long and it bends towards justice. Ooh, so, I mean, when I, when I hear the news, or, you know, the last four years, I went to that quote a lot. 
<laughs> That's cool. I love, I, I, I love, I mean, he is a very motivational man anyway, but that's a great one. I hadn't heard that one. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one comes from the Bible um, about how do you live your life? And it's from Micah 6, 8. And basically it says, God has shown you what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, love mercy and walk humbly before God. Hmm. That's so nice. like, you know, when I get a big head, <laughs> that's yeah. the one I pull down. Down a little bit. <laughs> I had to use it a lot in my conflict work with the churches. <laughs> oh, you know? I bet you do. Yeah. Love mercy. Have it like be merciful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Here's a different. Here's another one that's uh, a little bit different. Okay. Who, who is your biggest cheerleader on earth or angel in heaven? Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. It, it's funny because I made a vision board for 2021 and I have a whole corner that has my angels, all my angels, uh, you know, posted up. There. So, well, I have to say my biggest cheerleader is my husband here on yeah. earth. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> he goes like, you know, what do you need? What can I do? And then he kids me like, cause you know, you're, 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 you're our retirement income. <laughs> you're gonna get that that movie deal from that book so let's go right exactly is he retired as well yep he's retired too what did he do, did he do for a living he was a, a, a high school teacher oh lovely oh, but he specialized in training young people how to almost co-counsel their peers oh like natural helpers I guess, I don't know what it's called, but I mean, like his background, he was hired as a, a biochemistry teacher, right? Yeah. But then he, he had, he was so good at enabling students who failed multiple times because he taught them how to take the test. He taught them how to, that then they, they transitioned him to working with these harder cohort students who could never get through and each he was, he was just phenomenal in oh. helping them to like realize their potential. And, you know, like the, the hardcore gangbangers wanted to be in his class. Oh <laughs> boy. That's, a, that's a call. That's such a compliment. Wow. That must've been hard for him to retire from. Cause that had to have been really rewarding. Well, no, because he loved it, but then he, he became like, I hate to use the word obsessed, but that's the only word I with climate change. And so oh. his science background took him into that and he started doing presentations on climate change. And, and then he started training the kids on how to do those presentations. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he was ready to retire. And, and now, now he's like doing those kind of presentations out here where we retired, you oh, know? <laughs> so, that's he's able to just kind of really focus on something that he really feels passionate about. And th yeah. that's really cool. That's cool. Is there a message in your novel that you want readers to grasp? Yeah, my, the trope that I work with, with all my work, whether, you know, whatever my pen name is second chances. Ah. And so, so in this particular story, um, the hero and the heroine have been separated for 10 years and separated also by philosophy. You know, she, she believes in supernatural. He's like, no, there's a scientific answer for everything. And 
but the message that I hope people take away in that what enables them to come together is to begin to really listen to the other person and Yeah. You know, compromise that way is not a dirty word. You know, if there's mutual respect, we can still disagree, but we can come together. And I think Okay, I think that's going to wrap it up for Jenny's Tattle Tales today. I hope you have an absolutely splendid day, and I want to really thank you for joining me, and I hope to hear from you and see you next time.